Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Eight weeks, Josh. Eight weeks until Super Bowl Monday here in the uh, in Australia. So we've got eight weeks until the Super Bowl. And here for our Week 13 recap, Josh Wooten. How are you going? Welcome to the Wooten Washer, your show. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> eight weeks until the Super Bowl, buddy. Man, it's, it's a bit ridiculous. It's, cr- it's, it's crazy. It, yeah, it, it has really crept up on us. It is ridiculous. That's all I've got to say. Yeah, and uh, you know, week thirteen was uh, was a good one. It is. It spun a lot of storylines, a lot of narratives that we're going to get to later on in the show. Uh, but something happened on Monday Night Football today during uh, during the game. It was probably the most exciting thing for Jets fan and Kevin Harlan. If you remember, I think it was Bears. No, it wasn't Bears. Yeah, it was the Bears game. I don't know who they are playing. Well, actually, was it the 49ers? One of those really bad teams was playing in primetime uh, a while back, and uh, we had a streaker on the field, and Kevin Harlan had that famous uh, audio grab of, of that call with the streaker, but he's at it again with another one. Would you like to hear it? I'd love to hear it, mate. Let's do it. Six-yard line. Oh, well, that was the biggest cheer of the night as we got a couple idiots running out on the field right now, taking their shirts off, running all over the place, and... The last person I would want to run into is a Ooh. New Jersey State trooper. Did you see Just that like tackle? That. Oh, and the other guy's knocked down. They're actually hitting harder than the Jets' defense. <laughs> I'll tell you, that one kid made me just absolutely knocked out. <laughs> that Burn. Oh. Kevin Arlen is a national treasure. Um, that actually, the one kid, the first kid that got hit on the 26-yard line, actually legit was knocked out. That's how hard security got him. Well, I don't want to say he deserved it, <laughs> but he didn't not deserve it. Remember when Andrew Simons laid out that, was it, was the guy naked in the cricket? <laughs> I, I, I do recollect this. I'm pretty sure he was nude and Andrew Simons just Dropped the shoulder. It. Like he was out to bat yeah. and just dropped the shoulder. It was unbelievable. Uh, that was the lone highlight for the New York Jets, who uh, will feature in NFL news. Let's uh, let's get to it. And I did mention eight weeks till the Super Bowl, which means eight weeks till the Lunar Bowl. Tickets are selling out fast, so uh, please head to lunarpark.com.au and uh, purchase your ticket to the Lunar uh, to the Lunar Bowl. And we'll have uh, some special news on that during the week about a competition to win a double pass. So keep an eye and ear out for that. Let's start with uh, Seattle. And uh, Pete Carroll confirmed that L. Thomas suffered a broken tibia in week 13 and he's done for the season. Uh, he'll be placed on IR. And it was Cam Chancellor actually collided with L. Thomas that actually resulted in the leg break. And uh, that's a huge, huge loss for that defense because it's fourth-year undrafted free agent Stephen Terrell filling in for Thomas. Uh, I'm sure they'll have another replacement lined up, but that's who replaced him during the game. Yeah, uh, Earl Thomas is essentially the Gronkowski for the uh, Seahawks. Yeah, you, you've seen you've seen what a difference he makes to the defense. It's just like leadership. It's just organization. It's just everything. Uh, there's a conspiracy that Chancellor thought he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to be able to stick around, and they were going to, you know, ship him off. So he's just laid out Earl Thomas to. Keep his spot. You, uh, you've been reading a lot of conspiracy forums lately. I don't know where you're getting the, these conspiracies, but you had one about the Chiefs a few weeks back. Now you, now you've got the Cam Chancellor one. I'm loving it. Mate, I'm loving the conspiracy. They'll, act they'll stick. They'll stick one day. They'll stick one day, and you'll just go. Woot said it first. It was an exclusive <laughs> on the Woot and White show. Conspiracy theory of the week. We might have to make it a segment at this point. So you'll have to watch all the games and just find something to to conspire about and uh, and work something out. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, during the game as well, after he'd been taken to the dressing room, uh, L. Thomas tweeted that he's uh, 
was considering retirement. Um, not many people took took the tweet seriously, but apparently it's not a complete joke uh, per Adam Schefter, who said on uh, the, the halftime show on ESPN. So uh, we'll wait and see, but I think it was just an, a huge emotional reaction to, to obviously what's a tough time for Earl Thomas because he's never missed a game until last week he was out with a hamstring injury, but he's been relatively healthy his whole career. Yeah, and I mean, like like I said before, they're just he is such an uh, integral part of this defense. They're used to having him mm. around. They don't know how to function without him. In there. Yeah, you, you just you just see how much the defense opens up, especially around the middle where he plays. And it's just you know, there's there's yards to be had now. Yeah. But saying that, it makes it like it makes for exciting games considering how well the offense is playing, which yeah. is just. You know, contrary to usually what happens on that team. Yeah, Thomas Rawls really, really played well, uh, different to what we saw last week against Tampa Bay. But that injury is so significant to me. On my uh, weekly segment on Eon Sports Radio yesterday, I changed my tip for the NFC from uh, Seattle to Dallas because I just think it just changes your game plan for, for Dallas because it gives them an opportunity there and a, and a hole in that defense to exploit where Seattle could have done that Minnesota approach with Harrison Smith and Cam Chancellor. Um what Earl Thomas, you know, that safety pairing that Minnesota played against against Dallas, they could have done a very similar tactic against Dallas in the playoffs and match up quite well. So that's how big of a loss it is. I like the Gronkowski comparison. Let's move on to the next bit of news, and that's uh, Robert Griffin III is, is a real chance, according to Adam Schefter, of being the Browns' Week 14 starter. Uh, he hasn't been activated yet, and uh, the coach, uh, Hugh Jackson, said that he uh, it's too early to make that decision. But most signs are pointing toward him starting against the Bengals. Uh, this might be their best chance to notch up a uh, a win in their schedule when you really look at it. Yeah, I mean it's sitting around a dollar eighty something, isn't it, for a zero and sixteen team? Yeah, that right. That is correct. Yeah, there you go. Look at Woot studying cool, yeah. the odds. Yeah, no, uh, I think I think this is the right move. You got to see what you have in him. Um, I know you think you know what you have in him, but who knows? He might have grown. He may have, yeah. you know, studied the playbook in all those weeks that he was out and, you know, have a real grasp of what... We didn't uh, get to see enough of him, too, when he first got injured. You know, his injury started the whole conveyor belt or, or carousel of just absolute quarterback devastation and injuries uh, over a course of, what, nine or ten weeks. So, you know, I think you're right. You, you've got a month. You can actually see what you have. Yeah, I don't... Part of me still doesn't think they'll get rid of him. I don't think they'll just give him the flick. I think he'll be the backup to whoever they bring in or draft or, you Mm. know, trade for or something like that, unless they trade him for someone else, which I I can't see a market for that. No. But, yeah, I I still think he'll be a backup. He's just, you know, he's not the worst backup in the league. There's some pretty shocking backups out there. Some pretty shocking starters out there, too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, no, I think... You've got to see what you have. If he if he plays, you know, above average in these last four games, they've got real conundrum yeah. on their hands again. Yeah, which the Browns pretty much don't want. They got, nah. I don't know. But look, it is know. it is really really early at this point. But there is no home run hitter at the quarterback position in the draft when you speak to scouts and and different people. Um, Mitch Trubisky from North Carolina has mentioned Deshaun Watson's another name that's going to pop up a lot. But there's no real home run hit. But they're going to have two picks in the top ten. So I think. You know, they probably will lend one to the quarterback. Who knows? There's a lot of mock drafts and a lot of studying and a lot of combines and everything to, to go in between before we see anything. But I, I don't think they're comfortable with just Robert Griffin as their option heading into next year. And they've still got Cody Kessler as well, who's out injured. So I think they bring in someone else, that, that, that trio of RG3, Kessler, and and the rookie can, can give you a, a legit competition and hopefully they find an answer because they really need it. But they're going to have stacks of picks so they can rebuild that roster. I really... Hope they can get a win because I don't like seeing a team go 0-16. But the Bengals played uh, pretty well against your Eagles, unfortunately, uh, just the week gone. Yeah, that's just... Yeah, we'll just move right on. on. (laughs) Uh, The Broncos claimed running back Justin Forsett off the waivers after the Lions uh, released him. Forsett had been a healthy scratch the last few weeks and wasn't really needed behind Theo Riddick, Dwayne Washington and Zach Senna. Um, Theo Riddick back to full flight and in good form and basically ended uh, Stefan Anthony's life by just putting him in a clown suit with, a, with a, an array of moves. But uh, Justin Forsett picked up by the Broncos. Gary Kubiak loves Justin Forsett. They've uh, they've linked up a lot of times. Forsett has full knowledge of Kubiak's offense. He played for him in Baltimore and uh, also in Houston for a little bit as well. So 
there's a chance with the injury to Capri Bibbs uh, that we'll see Justin Forsett take some action, have a legitimate role for the Denver Broncos in what's a crucial last month for them as they fight for their life to make the playoff. Um, I mean, good on Forsett, but I thought Bibbs looked good. Bibbs looked explosive. He looked quick. Yeah, he's got a high ankle sprain though, so it's going to be tough. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah but I, I agree with you. That. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he definitely ignited the offense. There was a spark when he was he was um, Booker carrying didn't look the good. ball. No, he didn't. No, so... but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens with that whole backfield. The backfield uh, with Kubiak rotates so often. Yeah, so that's not a bad signing. I think he can be he can be a good change of pace back for them or a bell cow because you know Booker's only averaging two point eight yards per carry at this point. So. A lot of that's on the offensive mm-hmm. line, which is struggling big time. Uh, moving on, Ian Rappaport reported Colin Kaepernick will void his contract after the season and become a free agent. Rappaport added, voiding the deal would not rule out a return to the 49ers next season. Um, Kaepernick is set to make $14.5 million in base salary if he sticks around in San Francisco next season. And even after a strong finish, it's unlikely he would get paid much more than the $7.5 million per year RG3 landed from the Browns in an open market. So... Maybe he's a little bit too eager or overestimating what what the market suggests for him. Um, and considering he just went one for five for four yards before being benched, I know it was snowy and the conditions were terrible, but uh, interesting uh, decision by Kaepernick. Yeah, that's the weirdest stat line ever. What, one one for... for five for four yards. I know he ran for 20 yards as well, but <laughs> bizarre. That's like a Matt Asiata uh, run run log, except there's no three touchdowns. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Kaepernick. I don't know. This we really have to wait and see how the quarterback position mm. unfolds. Like we didn't expect all these rookies to have so much success this year. So yeah. like, True. it's just a whole wait and see thing. Um, I mean, look, look what everyone thought that we thought Mark Sanchez was going to be the starting quarterback going into the season, and then look how all that unfolded. The third string yep. started. So. I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. I think I think he is overestimating his value, but at the same time, he did have a good day, month. On his day, Kaepernick is explosive. That guy is scary. You've got to account for so much because he's he's not just you know bloody fast. He can like it's, he's not just direct he was, speed. He was know, playing a lot better option. in the pocket as well. Yeah, before the just, Bears game. You know, yeah, he's not just option run it forward. He can yep. beat you by running towards the sideline. You can't catch him if he tries to run around you the long way. Like, he's just that quick. No. Yeah. Uh, you know, I said last week that he is far from the 49ers' worst problem. Obviously, it doesn't look good this week after that stat line. But when you really think about it and, and that game and the conditions and, and everything like that, it's it's really hard to, to really judge that performance. I know it's just absolutely awful but they have so many so many holes and issues and problems that i think maybe having kaepernick there next year only on 14 and a half millions not too bad it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them um if they can try and build on that and and build solidly through the draft but we'll wait and see um a a lot of people were calling it we got a few tweets saying that chip kelly should be sacked but i think he probably needs another year because that roster is just god awful that's that's not fair it's putrid it's putrid i think you mentioned that, um, you know, you said it wasn't Kaepernick's fault. There are so many situations where the quarterbacks are being blamed for what's going on when it's just completely not their fault. And like, I mean, that's not the, like their biggest problem. I mean, Sam Bradford's getting so much stick. Oh. The Minnesota team as a whole is just playing disgusting. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. 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 I mentioned that with uh, OJ on Friday's show when we talked about Thursday Night Football, um, that, you know, he's in a... Bradford's in a weird spot where if he doesn't release the ball early enough for a short gain, he just gets sacked. So it's not, you can't, what do you do? You're damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. Uh, Let's move on to another quarterback situation. And I mentioned the Jets at the top of the show. Coach Todd Bowles confirmed that Bryce Petty will start the Jets' final four games. Ryan Fitzpatrick pretty much checked out at this point, and uh, he was was really benched, uh, not really benched, he was benched after a really horrible performance against my uh, Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. You know what, though? Ryan Fitzpatrick is old. We all know this. Do you know he went to Harvard? I did not. Bet you didn't. No. He, <laughs> not only is he old, though, like, people should have been expecting this. I think, I think we were expecting far too much from this old guy. And I think now, I don't think there's enough pressure on Todd Bowles. I know there's been injuries and things like mm. that, but... yeah. He's really, he's, it's going to be, they absolute... really look, they really look lifeless. Yeah. 
it's you know why they look lifeless? This type of leadership in the locker room. This is what Fitzpatrick said after the game when asked about this whole situation. So he got asked about, uh, he said, Fitzpatrick on getting a, this is a tweet from Connor Orr, Fitzpatrick on getting a look at the future, Bryce Petty, and he said, looking at my situation, I don't really care about the big picture. Yeah. That just sounds like a quarterback that's had the best year of his life. I'm going to cash in here and take my money that I deserve in this system because I deserve this money and I don't care about what happens. And that, for me, it sounds like he's ready to just, he's already checked out for the Jets season. That's pretty much it. He wants out. And uh, I feel sorry for the Jets because, look, Bryce Petty seems like a nice dude. He's, he's Aussie Lachlan Edwards' roommate at this point. But he played in an offense in Bailey where they barely used a playbook or anything like that. He's he's not an NFL quarterback. He's got a nice arm, and when he lets it loose, he connected a few times with Robbie Anderson and misconnected a lot as well. But he just can't make the necessary reads to make it in the NFL. So I think there's going to be a huge, huge roster clean out and a, and a real problem. The problem with Bowles is that they overachieved in his first year last year. I think if they had a bad season and then built on it, it, it looks a lot different. Yeah, I think the expectations were so low at the Jets at when he took over. The fact that, you know, like you said, he he went far too well too early. And now it's just all looking bad. Like, but you know what? A lot of the... I know locker rooms and things like that obviously comes down to the players and the players' attitudes and how they handle themselves, but the coaches have a lot to do with that as well. I know that, I mean, I know Chip, I don't want to say, I don't want to bring Chip Kelly up because in the end, the locker room turned against him, but he, you know, he saw like certain players and their mentalities and attitudes and didn't want that in his locker room. He didn't want egos. He just wanted, you know, a whole cohesive team unit. Like he was trying to get that, that whole mantra mentality that he wanted. But Bowles just looks like, you know, like, this is another game. Let's see what we can do this week. It's just, mm. just nothing. There's just, it's lifeless. I, th- I think he's a very, very, very good defensive coordinator, but there's so many defensive coordinators that, that have tried to make the leap that are just falling yeah, flat. Gus Bradley's one of them. Um, but we look, did think Dan Quinn until this season. Dan, Dan, yeah, I I think I think we uh, Todd Bowles like Dan Quinn. I think uh, I know they fell flat the Falcons last year, and it looks like they might again this year with a couple of losses now. But I, you know, I think you give Todd Bowles probably one more year if they're looking at this similar situation like this, or you know, early on in the year next year. I think then he's uh he's definitely on his way out. We've got to remember as well that the Jets had the worst, like the toughest schedule for the first eight or nine weeks in the NFL. It was just a ridiculously tough schedule. So it is really rough on them, but I, I, I don't want to give up on bowls just yet. I want to see what they can do and turn this roster around. But uh, rest in peace, uh, Darrell Reavers. T.Y. Hilton just shoveled the final dirt on his coffin um, as he gets lowered into the ground uh, today. Mm-hmm. Just, just torched him. Uh, he can, right. <laughs> when you're watching Darrell, right, you can tell he knows exactly what the wide receiver is going to do. He has his body in the correct position, but he doesn't have the legs or anything no, anymore. It's like, like he watching just, Peyton he just last can't year. keep up. He's just old. Yeah. He just can't keep up. It was like Peyton Manning last year. Like he could see a play right, but his arm couldn't match what he wanted to do. He could see a player open on a 17 yard out and, and had, had the defense dissected, but he just couldn't physically do it at times. He managed to make it work a little bit here and there in the playoffs, but it's just like that with Darrell. So unfortunately, Josh, I think if he was smarter and laid off the Papa John's, I think maybe he could have prolonged his career. <laughs> Papa John's is good to ha- is good to uh, is really good and it's hard to lay off. Uh, so give him some credit. All right, uh, yeah, mate, it's good for his bank account. I'm sure <laughs> it is very very good. Um, you know that his stores in Colorado do well better than any other store in America because of the older uh, is legal. What a yeah! What a surprise! Yeah. Uh, all right. Speaking of uh, coaches. Uh, Rams signed Jeff Fisher to a two-year extension through 2018. They better check themselves before they wreck themselves, Cotton. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Just played two drops there back-to-back because it just baffles hey, me. It just I, baffles I think me. The, 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 I reckon the Rams owner has been hanging out in Colorado too much. <laughs> or in L.A. where it is also legal where they've just moved. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's, it's absolutely insane. As someone who's very mediocre at my job, I respect it. Because who has the worst front office, them or the Texans? Oh, nah. Oh, God, that Osweiler deal looks so awful, but 
No, but you can get out of that. They're going to be smart. They'll get out of that next year. They're not going to extend Brock Osler. If they extend Brock Osler, they win. They're, they're back into the gold medal. But, like, this 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 contract is essentially, like, a giant extension. <laughs> it's like, yeah. hey, a, a coach has far you. more power, though. Sure, sure, sure. Coach has far anyway. more power over the entire operations. I mean, the guy's banning Eric Dickerson from the sideline. Le- Rams legend. LA Rams legend. They're banning him from the sideline. It's uh, It's just... I don't understand it, and I, fe- I really feel for Jared Goff in this whole mess because it's just it just means that he he's not going to get that development that's necessary. Their quarterback coach is not a quarterback coach. He's just it's just not the situation's horrid. I know. I think he thinks he's a master tactician. I think he just lives oh. for the Seattle game. <laughs> I mean, he won two games this year without scoring a touchdown. Like that's two of his wins. Like. And he's won, he's won his last three against Seattle, which is just baffling. Like, I, know. I know. The weirdest coach. What he really should do everything. is quit and just consult to teams that are about to play Seattle. That's what he should do. That's what he should do. you reckon? Jeez, that's a good idea. The Patriots, make it the Patriots would sign him before the Super Bowl and say, all right, how do you beat Seattle? Although they already did it, but how do you beat Seattle? We want to do it again. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> why not? I, I, this just blows my mind. It, um, and, Look, I'll say this, it's baffling and I don't like him in the league, but when you see him trying to find his challenge flag on the weekend, I can kind of appreciate him sticking around for a couple more years. It's a, uh, it's it a lot is, of good material. It is hilarious. I reckon... It's the um, silver lining. It's like the Trump him things. And, him and Pagano be must be friends. Man, they are. They probably, they probably talk every day. They yeah, probably video like chat every day, like the Rugby League Week Mole and uh, Buzz Rothfield. <laughs> Chilling. All right. Uh, let's uh, do our real MVPs. All right, Woot. Who is your real MVP? And I didn't prep you for the pre-show about this, so I'm putting you on the spot. So my real MVP, so just from this week gone. Yep. Uh, like Eric Berry. Oh, you nah. bust. <laughs> I'm just watching what you typed in. Yeah, I know. Um, no, you can go with Eric Berry. That's cool. Yeah, no, I love what Eric Berry did. It was it was amazing. Not just for not just for his pick six, but then he was the. I mean, obviously the whole new rule change with the um, intercepting the uh, two point conversion or yep. it's directly, you know, directly fumbling or whatever. Yeah, it's directly yeah. it changed the outcome of two NFL games this year. Crucial NFL. I games. loved the fact that Atlanta took the lead, then lost the lead the very next step, snap. That's never happened. Yep. Ever. It's, it's just, it's amazing. It's unbelievable, really, when you look at it. It's just, it just blows my mind, you know. And it wasn't, it wasn't that bad of a throw from Matt Ryan. I went back and watched it. It's just a hell of a play by Eric Berry, and that's who I wanted as my real MVP because that's, you know, he directly resulted in the cheat in eight points for the Chiefs over the weekend, and he did it, and he did it against the Panthers as well. And you know, it's his first time back in his hometown as well since. Uh, his whole cancer battle and his parents were in the stands and he handed his dad the game ball after returning that pick two. Would we call it a pick two, I guess? Pick yeah, two sounds like weird. That. No. I know. It just it feels far less satisfying than what he actually did. Yeah, it should be worth essentially two. a pick two can't be, you know... Well, a pick two is always going to be harder it, than a pick it, six. It's always going to be 98 metres or more, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Unless you throw it behind the line of scrimmage. And it. it seems baffling that you can return a pick six from, like, the 12, and it's worth six, but the pick two, you run 98 to 100 yards, and you, get only, <laughs> and you only get a quarter of the points. Oh, I mean, yeah, a third we need of to the think points. Of something. We need to think of a far cooler name yeah, pick two. But, yeah, pick two sounds like something... I don't know. It sounds nose-related. sounds like... I don't yeah. know. It sounds like you're picking your nose or something. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I <laughs> Woot never picked his nose. There you go, guys. Uh, my uh, real MVP, apart from Eric Berry, is Khalil Mack, who I think's really entered the Defensive Player of the Year uh, award race. He's just he's just playing unbelievable right now, and and he's just showing his athleticism, and he's really elevated this Raiders defense that struggled early on in the season. And we're going to talk about that later on when we preview. Uh, Thursday night football, but he's just he's just been unreal right now, and he's just making plays, play after play. He's, he's pretty much ended two games in a row with a with a strip sack, and it one this one resulted in an interception. So it's just he just blows my mind the athleticism. It's just crazy. Yeah, um, it is phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's hard. I looking at how Von Miller is playing 
it's definitely between them. I I don't know anyone else. The pass rushes. You... Oh, Aaron Donald's blowing like blowing things out of the water, but it's just he doesn't rack up like sacks, but just in terms of the pressure yeah. that he gets, it's just phenomenal. We're we're living in a good age with so many good pass rushes. All of them seem to be in the NFC West, but. Um, as someone who's financially invested in Khalil Mack, and I know you have as well, I'm kind of rooting for that trade here. But uh, we'll wait and see. Just some talking actual MVP race. I don't can't remember an MVP race that's been this like wide open where there's five or six names being thrown around. Like normally you have one or two, or like remember it was AP and Peyton Manning, or, or Rogers and Brady, or Rogers and Romo back in 2014. So there's a few, you know, sort of. To and froze, but at this point it was already Cam Newton last year. But this this race, you're seeing names like Zeke, Brady, Ryan, uh, Dak Prescott. Now Matt Stafford's name's creeping up to it, and you've also got the crowd that really want to give it to the Cowboys O line as well. Yeah, all right. If it was to if it was to stay on this pace until the end of the season, how all the teams are going, Zeke has to get it because Zeke would break records left, right, and center, mm. and that's just. You wouldn't. There wouldn't be a strong enough argument for anyone else unless they broke passing records to yep. take it off Zeke. But saying that, like Derek Carr, there's so many question marks. Like you look at Derek Carr and you think he's having a terrific season, but at the same time you've got these question marks that like he makes dodgy plays and you just think, uh, is mm. yeah. But see, like and then same as Drew Brees, like he capitulated on the weekend. It was just yeah. like, what the hell happened? And Matt Ryan think, as well. And, you know, before yeah. that pick two, he was having a pretty good game. Um, and it's just unfortunate that it came up in a big spot. Yeah. And then you talk about quarterbacks that you think are having awful seasons, and then Flacco comes out and balls like he's never, you know, oh. he's been the MVP yeah. candidate for the entire season. Yep. Yeah. Bizarre. And, and, uh, and Tom Brady's playing well, but missing the first four games and your team going 3-1 and one without you kind of doesn't scream valuable to me. Um, and you know he's, he's safe—he's think... safe with the ball as well, but he's not throwing it deep. Like he had, like the other this game just passed. I know Gronk's missing, but his yards per attempt was shocking. He was basically just throwing screens to running backs for most of that first half. It worked. That's essentially what Dak does. Yeah. So that's why it's I find da- it hard. And that's why I, when I look at it, I really look at you know yards per attempt and net yardage per attempt. And until sort of this weekend gone, Matt Ryan was my favorite because. He was on a historic pace. He was beating Rodgers' season where he won MVP. And was, you know, the only one in the recent era that was ahead of him was Kurt Warner's 2000 season. So I haven't checked that since his last game, but it's just so wide open. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Who, who, do you, like, who do you think it's between at the moment? I think it's definitely going to be... I feel like there's going to be multiple votes. I think whoever's going to win it this year is probably going to have the lowest votes ever to win an MVP award. And I think that feels fair because there's no real standout option. Um, and it's like that with the DVOA, with the teams this year. There's no real standouts. Like Atlanta were the number one team in DVOA, and it was the lowest percentage ever at this point in the season as well. So uh, I would still vote for Matt Ryan, but I think if it ended Mate, right I now, think, it'd be I Zeke. I think you're absolutely deluded. That's, that would just be the dumbest pick. <laughs> it's not the dumbest pick, but I think right. I think the it would be Zeke. Would I, think be Zeke would, I think Zeke would yeah. I think Zeke would probably win it at this point. At this, if at, it if, finished tomorrow, if it was to continue, it was if it was to continue this way, he would have to win it. But if he slows down whatsoever, I don't think you can take it off Tom Brady. I just think Tom Brady is just playing flat out insane. Yeah. He's so consistent. I know, I know he's consistent, but it feels just I don't know. It's just your team went three and one without you, so I'm just not I'm just not sure how that how that will affect the voters. But we'll wait and see. There's plenty of ball games to be left left to played, and there's a month of football, so we'll wait and see. By the way, speaking of, I know you don't want me to mention it, but that boy just broke your boy's record of the most wins ever. My, I don't care about that. My issue is the word winningest. Is That that word irritates me the way it's spelt and the way it's said as well. It just looks funny. Because it's said after Tom Brady's name? No, it was, I didn't like it when it was said after Peyton Manning's name. It just When you read it, like on paper, it just looks funny. It doesn't Grammatically, it just irks me. Well, it's not. I doubt it's a real a real word. No, I don't think it is. But anyway, um, well done. Yeah. Quarterback wins. Hashtag wins with a Z. Thank you. Um, Wait, you would you rather a quarterback with amazing stats and you know barely any wins, or a guy that just is a natural born winner? Yeah, but if <laughs> this is a catch, you 22, don't... this is a catch twenty two though, right? Because 
early on in his career, like Tom Brady wasn't really great until like 2005, and he'd already won two Super Bowls by then. Like you weren't you, you weren't winning games. You like your defense was Chiefs, winning. Do you think the Chiefs will care? If they win a Super Bowl with ugly games from Alex Smith, no, they're not going to th- care. I don't and they're going to treat him like a freaking hero. Yeah, but that's that's fine, and that's great. Like, well done. But, like, when you really look at it and look at the quarterback play, you don't think that Alex Smith's a better quarterback than Andrew Luck, who hasn't won a Super Bowl. Like, that's just stupid. Like, I don't care about how many wins you've got. Like, they won a game because they returned a punt for a, and a pick two. It's not because of Alex Smith. Like, it's just... So, like, I know quarterback wins are important, but I, I think we shouldn't put too much stake into that metric. I think it's a large part of it, and Brady's great. He's won so many games on the back of himself, in the, especially from, like, 06 to 09, where he barely had, like, elite weapons, and then Gronk's come in as well, and that's helped him a lot in the last few years when his body was starting to decline, but he's regenerated that now, and he's playing just as good as he is has ever been. But, you know, he... He's won so many games and he carried so many games and he has that winning instinct. But just because he's so verbal about it doesn't mean that other quarterbacks aren't the same. Mm-hmm. Well, but like even we would, I think I know the Rams have been playing bad, but the Rams defense, like you were just saying, um, Aaron Donald's still playing flat out awesome. And yep. like a severe weakness for New England was their offensive line. And I know you're saying that, you know, screen passes and things like that, but it worked. without Gronk, it's such a successful thing, and the way that he oh, executes it and everything—it's yeah. just absolutely to perfection. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it was yeah, still, it's still percentage. not sacked on, still not sacked on the weekend, and only one interception—just insane. Yeah, and um, I mentioned, you know, Bill Belichick. We talk about Aaron Donald and how he just Aaron Donald had probably his worst game of the season because Bill Belichick's so good at eliminating your team's best weapon. And, you know, I'm sure on Tuesday morning they wrote Aaron Donald on their on their whiteboard and just worked out a plan to shut him down, and it and it absolutely worked. So um, Bill Belichick's played a large role in in some of those wins for, for Tom Brady, but 201 wins is nothing to sneeze at. It's just, I wish he did it in a thriller. I wish he wasn't playing the Rams. It would have been good if it was prime time this week against the, the Ravens in, like, on, you know, Monday Night Football. That would have been something special, like a... A really this good... will be an interesting game. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that. Essentially, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get to it. But we'll um, it. we talk about MVP race. He plays he plays the Ravens' defense, who are good, and Denver's defense down the stretch. So he's had a pretty easy schedule so far, um, and now he gets a couple of test, testy games. Because remember, he didn't play that great against Seattle. No. Do you know what? Do you know what I find interesting though? So I I think things to look at. Um, Denver's biggest weakness has essentially been running backs that, you know, can beat their linebackers because their linebacking core is probably their weakest unit on defense. And, I mean, and, and it's still not exactly weak. Their secondary and front seven are terrific. But um, so that is, you know, a strength of the Patriots. And then the same with Baltimore. You, you'd think they might have a decent um, chance at stopping, you know, the tight ends, but now Gronk's out. So that's not exactly their the way that they're going to attack the the Ravens. So it looks like they're going to go with the screen game, which is just, you know, essentially what they're weakest against as well. So I I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Hey, Woot, have you heard of moneyball.com.au? Have I heard of moneyball.com.au, Australia's first daily fantasy site down under? You've heard of daily fantasy sports in the States. Now, Moneyball has brought it to our shores. With daily NFL contests, it's like a new season every day. If you don't win, don't worry, there is always tomorrow. Moneyball.com.au We mentioned the Ravens a minute ago, or I did. Uh, The AFC North race is is really heating up. It's a familiar feeling in December when you have the Ravens and Steelers battling for the AFC North, and they've both come off comprehensive wins against potential wildcard teams in the Giants and the Dolphins. And they're both now playing probably the most consistent football of the season. And I don't know about you, Woot. Um, I was a lot lower on the Ravens than you. So this is me sort of apologizing. But we both agree that it wouldn't surprise us with John Harbour and, and Joe Flacco that their offense would finally turn up and make them a, a team. I always thought they were pretty good. But I think if their offense plays like they did against the Dolphins now for the rest of the season, matched with their defense, and then they've got really, really good special teams headlined by Justin Tucker, 
I think they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender because we know what they can do in the playoffs. I think Flacco genuinely thought Dennis Pitter had retired and then just realized that. He oh, was you're just, here. You know, yeah. Oh, and just went, oh, you, you, oh, amazing. And they just fed him the rock for like the entire game. He was just, the guy has one amazing game every couple of weeks. That, guy, that, old, that old man. That old chestnut. Who, I, I know, that old chestnut who I just thought was completely gone. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. This, this, this week against New England will definitely show what they're made of, but Steelers' schedule looks pretty okay. Yeah, I'll run, I'll run through the schedule. So they're both, they're both tied at the moment, but the, the Ravens have the tiebreaker because they beat the Steelers, but the Ravens play at New England on Tuesday night, uh, or Monday night football Tuesday here. Uh, then they play, uh, against Philly at Pittsburgh, at Cincinnati. So three or four road games. The Steelers play at Buffalo, at Cincinnati. Then they host Baltimore and finish with a cakewalk against Cleveland. <laughs> I think it really comes down to... You watch RG3 destroy this division. Just throw, just tilt it on its head and just destroy everything. I know, just absolutely destroy the Steelers in the last game. And Ravens I, think, I think the Cincinnati game is going to be dangerous for the Steelers as well because they're playing at Cincinnati. And remember how that all unfolded last year, and it was such a vicious, vicious game that we thought that the Cincinnati Steelers rivalry was going to overtake the Baltimore Steelers rivalry, but now it, now it's kind of tilted back to Steelers and Ravens at this point. It didn't last very long, but considering the nature of that game, and I know Cincinnati are missing weapons, but AJ Green could be back. That could be a dangerous game. We know that the Steelers aren't quite as good on the road. Big Ben isn't quite as good on the road. So at this point, you confident with... They are both playing Cincy away, and then Cincy is the Ravens' last game. Yeah. So, so it, know, it's, uh, it is definitely interesting, but it was you know, if the if the the Ravens sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? If they sort of scraped past the Dolphins then I wouldn't be as high on them, but they're so comprehensive offensively, and this Dolphins defense was playing quite good heading into this season, uh, heading into this game, sorry, over the last month or so, so it wasn't just like a cakewalk for them. That was a really good performance from Joe Flacco, who I think that's probably love, his best game love, in 18 by months. The way, the, by the way, I love your reason that you chose the Dolphins was essentially to contradict what I said after I said I trust Flacco far more than <laughs> Tannehill, and you're like, no way, I trust Tannehill far more. Ba- based Man. on the last month, I did, I did. And he'll play like a garbage bag. But they couldn't have been trending in opposite directions over the last month heading into this game. I felt like Freaky Friday that they'd swap bodies because it felt like Flacco was playing like Tannehill had played the last month. So He just admitted you know what Freaky Friday is about. Great Disney <laughs> movie. Great Disney movie. <laughs> One of Lindsay Lohan's best. She's still got oh, it, the old God. Lindsay. The old chestnut. The um, old Lindsay. The old red nut. <laughs> All right, so who's your pick for the division at this point? Obviously, that when they play each other, that's just gonna that's gonna be flexed into probably already is, but it's it's gonna be flexed into prime time. It's at Steelers. It's at Steelers. Plus, plus the Ravens play at New England, which they normally have a pretty good record up there. It would be a lot better if Billy Cundiff. Didn't yeah, miss a I'll go pick. Steelers. I'll go Steelers only because they have New England mm. and they finish at Cincy. And you know who knows what Burfick's going to do to end the year. Yeah, he might just go out and start destroying. People. He might end someone's life from the Ravens. I know, and then go. I retire. I'm going to fight <laughs> oh. Greg Hardy. <laughs> oh my God, that would be amazing. There you go. I don't, mate. Burfick should one. MMA should hire me. Yeah. Great. So I should be a uh, manager for Jeff Fisher in terms of his consultant career, and now you're working for the UFC in organising just bloodbath NFL matchups. Yep, great, and the great stuff. NF, NFL Conspiracy Club. Yep, your COO and CEO. That's um, it. <laughs> I've got to mention as well, it was good to see Ladarius Green um, play really well. I think he's emerged as the number two target for for Ben in the, in the passing game, obviously, outside of Antonio Brown. They needed someone to emerge, and their defense played pretty good. They slowed down the Giants to a bit, apart from, up, I guess, Eli Manning slowed them down more, but uh, they they held them to seven points until there was like, I don't know, a minute or two left. They only got their last touchdown with, with very little time left on the clock. Yep. Uh, I mean, 
It's, it's good to see Ladarius come back. It really is. It's yep. it was it was looking grim there for a yep. while. And we like that signing in the off season, so I'm glad it's coming good at the right time. All right, moving on. Did Ron Rivera make the right decision in benching Cam Newton for the first drive of the game? Yes. All right, and I was going to say take away the result of the play, but you have already said yes. Because <laughs> if Mike Talbot didn't, you know mishandle that ball it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna be an interception it was probably a completion so it would have just wouldn't have blown up as much as it did I think because it resulted in an interception and three points it it snowballed the whole thing yeah um I I think it was ridiculous I disagree with you by the way it was ridiculous the fact that you know the way it was a tie a tie it is a tie and yet Cam Newton isn't above anyone if he was, if they were winning everybody game, I'd say let it slide. If the guy is on fire, if, if, he's, if he's in the MVP running, fine. But the guy is just he's too up himself at the moment. And what what reason do you have to be that up yourself? Your team's playing putrid. Yeah, but I don't think he saying that he is above it. He isn't above anyone else. He's the MVP, so the reigning MVP. So I think. He is above everybody else when you really think about no, it. No, he's not. He's the quarterback. He's your best player. He is above everybody else. And it's not like he was dressed like a bum. He was wearing a he was wearing a nice turtleneck. It's just it's not like he We don't know how much they are warned and things behind I mean, essentially like what about in All or Nothing when Bruce Arian says, I will cut you if you park in my parking spot. Yeah, but he wouldn't cut Carson Palmer if he did it. Exactly. Like, that's what I'm saying. You, you, <laughs> there's two separate rules for your quarterback and your reigning MVP to the rest of the bums on your team. <laughs> He's not above anyone, Josh White. All right. I think that people are saying that because they want to see, they want to assume that every player is treated equally, but that's just not the case. And it's not like he, I don't know, it, he didn't wear a tie. I <sighs> If you're going to suspend him for fashion violations, get him for wearing the foxtail thing or the the Spruker hat. hat. Yeah, or the Tyrell, whatever he's, Pharrell well, Williams hat, whatever the guy's name is. Just some of hey, that stuff. Pharrell is a god. Don't you dare slander Pharrell. He was, I guess Cam wasn't so happy. Oh, God, sorry. That was a bad joke. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. But um, look, I'll give Cam some. I'll give Cam some credit here, even though I'm on his side in this one. He did apologize after the game, or didn't apologize. He just said, "I didn't follow the dress code. Code. The coach told me I wasn't going to start. I stand by his decision." So you know, he owned up to it. And he said, "When you're six and five, and he, this is what he said." Oh, he, this part is the most. Oh I love God. this part. This part makes me laugh. When you're six and five, trying to get a shirt. I was away from home for a week. I didn't pack a shirt. Newton patiently explained after the game, there's a lot of ties that were given, but I can't wear a tie with this, meaning I have a tank top under this. We discussed it internally. I thought we're on the same page. I felt as if I wore a similar, I felt as if I wore a similar outfit like this before and nothing was done, but he has rules in place and we have to abide by them. No person is greater than the next person. It is what it is. Hey, if these people are getting suspended for PEDs for not knowing what drugs they're taking and he knows this, mate, I... I'm nearly exactly the same height as Cam Newton, and you can't wear a can tie with a turtleneck. Easily. I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not a fashionista, but you cannot wear a tie with a turtleneck. Mate, the only people that can pull off turtlenecks anyway are the Wiggles, and he's not a Wiggle. He's got his. That's it. No, actually, Cam you know, Newton's driving me. You know what? Um, Russell Westbrook probably could wear a tie with a turtleneck walking into the game, and you'd think, "Wow, that looks alright." He could wear a singlet over a turtleneck. He could wear a turtleneck. Sleeveless, sleeveless turtleneck, and he'd look just stunning. The man yeah. can do what he wants at the moment. Okay. Isn't he on his 41th consecutive oh, triple no, no. double? He's on a thousand. He's just tearing it up. Um, you know, don't remind me when I had the most um, ballots in our uh, draft lottery for NBA and I finished fifth. Not. First. I still don't understand how. Like how I didn't in, get Russell. In fantasy, it's essentially like having Gronkowski at every single position, having. Russell Westbrook in your team. It's just not fair. No. It's just, it skews the whole game so much. But anyway. anyway. Stupid. Uh, I still stand by Cam Newton. I think that was the dumbest thing of the year, and it's already my least favorite story of the year. And how hard is it to wear a tie? Yeah, with a turtleneck. Not not good. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to a more serious topic. And is it time we take the Lions seriously? Uh, no. No, no. 
way. <laughs> Look, uh, we've mentioned and we've talked about the stats behind some of their wins and their margin of victory and that they've been behind in the fourth quarter in every game this season. But for the first time this season, they've won comprehensively and they haven't been behind in the fourth quarter. That an impressive 28-13 win on the road in the Superdome and their defense. Their defense actually played really, really well, even though they're missing some players as well. Uh, look, Breeze passed for plenty of yards. He had 326, but didn't throw a single touchdown and threw three interceptions and fumbled against uh, against this Lions 32nd ranked defense, which will now, I, I guess, drastically improve maybe to 28 or 29. But, you know, it's small steps. But the Lions, you know, it's it's kind of funny. We talk about the Panthers' record and the way they played this season. You know, you've had some ugly losses and you and it just snowballs in the wrong direction. This is kind of the opposite where you've had some really lucky wins early on in the season, but now your team's actually getting right and you're actually a, a good team. Yeah. All right. So there's a lot of things to take out of this game. I don't know what to make of the Saints. That's one thing though. That's un- it's not a takeaway to say that yeah. you don't know what to make of something. Uh, yeah. But I want to say this as well for you on, on that very point, the craziest part is they pressured Breeze just 10 of his 45 dropbacks. So they barely got any pass rush. I think, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it was so weird. It was the weirdest game ever. It pretty much was set up for Mark Ingram to just play really well, and he just didn't, which was bizarre in its own way. Yeah. And then, you know, Brandon Cooks demanded. I don't know. You Part of you thinks that the whole Brandon Cooks storyline messed with everyone. Mm, don't maybe. you feel that? I feel like they, they targeted him a lot. I mean, he did have the most receptions and things like that. It was just, it was really bizarre, and especially the way Michael, Michael Thomas has been playing, and he only got oh, four receptions. But one of them was amazing. Oh, God. He's a god. He's a god. He's a god. Um, um, hey, Woot, but so, before you carry on, go. I just want to... Um, can I apply to go into the conspiracy club? I know you're the chief operating officer and CEO, but I'm, I'm making a claim here to an application. Maybe to join the club, you've got to submit a conspiracy and you can approve or deny it. Yeah, I like this. All right, so my, like cons- my conspiracy is that the Saints offense only works when Brandon Cooks is a decoy and not actually getting any targets. Mm, I don't know if that's a decoy or if that's just... That is, you figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's when it's, uh, damn it, so it's not really a conspiracy, it's just for real. Yeah. All right, I'll try again next week. Example. I'll try again next week. <laughs> uh, all right, no, but in all seriousness, it's it was also kind of like, I know Drew Brees threw some bad throws and things like that, but it was like the Lions defense just clicked. It was really weird, and it was... It was against a team that, you know, doesn't struggle to put up points away, let alone at home. Mm. So it was it was all weird. I I think Matt Stafford is more of an MVP candidate than Matt Ryan. I I wouldn't yeah, I I wouldn't disagree with that. If he wins the award, he's just him under Jim Bob Cooter is just it's just phenomenal. This team, and it's probably his best. This team probably is far best worse than Atlanta. Uh yeah, oh, I probably not now that Desmond Trufant's gone. Because um, Ziggy Answer's playing well and and DeAndre Lee. <laughs> that's like that's like saying, oh yeah, if Matt Stafford was gone, the Falcons would be better. No, but like they're very similar teams, Atlanta and, and Detroit right now, where they've got high powered offenses and and really bad defenses. But I think Detroit's defense is now trending in the right way, and Atlanta's is trending in the wrong way because you let Alex Smith just pull off big chunk yardages because he didn't have any fear at all because Desmond Trufant was gone, but. Man, and they both got really good kickers. Prater and Matt Bryant played really, really well for both the teams. So you, all you really need to do is get into the 40-yard range. and you it, help, just... it helps when you're in a dome. It does, both of them. But I don't know. It's just it's just a weird team. Like, this is a point now where the Detroit Lions are actually in play for a bye. Yeah. And you never know who Crazy. they're going to use at running back. You never know who yeah. they're going to throw it to. Anquan Bolden made a stunning return. Yeah, oh, he's and been then great. The... Yeah. And then, so... Theo Riddick had five receptions for 15 yards. That is in the sensational work by Riddick. But then Golden Tate as just, you know, remember at the start of the year, you were just like, oh, God, Golden Tate, Golden Tate, what, what's happening? And now he's just putting up massive stat lines and things like that. I think every, I think it's an entire team effort, effort, effort but <laughs> massive. Sensational. Yeah. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter is definitely going to be a head coaching candidate at this point. Um, I think. Can't wait to see the presidential race there. It's going to be Cooter Kanye 2020. Cooter Kanye. Yeah, it's. 
I can't wait for Jim Caldwell's you coach watch, of the year speech Jim, as well. Jeff Fisher will somehow win. Uh, I don't know. Jim Caldwell, coach of the year speech, is going to be a doozy. Just so much raw emotion from that guy. But no, I think the lines are for real now. And, you know, look, the, look, the luck is there and it's, it's evidence on paper how lucky they were in some of those wins. But, um, you know, those wins are there now. And, and if they're not lucky for the rest of the way and just the winning games like that, then they absolutely are for real. I apologize to Lions fans. I was, I was harsh on your team. Um, you weren't as harsh, but I was more harsh. Um, they're wrong. They proved me wrong. Jim Caldwell proving me wrong. Turn on the table. There you go. All right, uh, another team that we were, we weren't really wrong about or we just didn't talk about them too much because they're flying under the radar a little bit uh, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the question is, are they for real now? Because they've had three wins in a row that have been very, very strong. Kansas City on the road at Arrowhead. They beat the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers. They beat the Seahawks at home. And then they also beat now San Diego Chargers on the road. So they had a 28-21 road win over them. And they're atop the NFC South tied with Atlanta. They currently lose the tiebreaker against Atlanta, but they've actually passed the Redskins for the sixth and final playoff spot in the NFC. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, their defense, Not I'm going to just start with the defense. Everyone knows that their offense is just playing phenomenal right now. Winston is just threading, threading the ball to Mike Evans, wherever he is, he's just finding him. And then he just finds Cameron Braid every now and then. He's like, oh, yeah, you're here too. Yeah. And just spreading the love. But the defense is, you know, looking re- It's weird. It's so weird. I don't know. This wacky season is just flipping everything on its head again. All these teams that we pretty much mm. stuck a fork in and now just playing amazing. Yep. It's ah. And it's, well, look, we talked about how good we like the Tampa Bay's draft class, right? Up until that, Roberto Aguayo pick, but Noah Spence and Vernon Hargreaves were great additions to the team, and Noah Spence especially has really given them an outside pass rush that teams now have to look out for, and it's actually opened up lanes inside for Gerald McCoy, who's having a lot better season. He's always been great, but he's just you can't double or triple team him now because you've got Noah Spence on one side and Robert Ayers on the other side. It's really completed their team, and Levante David's bounced back to his form because not the last season, but the season before, he was a he was an all-pro. Scary man. Scary yeah, man. And they're, they're starting to come together a little bit. But their schedule's tough. Um, they play... Well, not tough, but they play the Saints twice. But they also play the Cowboys. But they've just been flexing the prime time. So, obviously, the NFL and, and viewers and ratings all think that this team has a legit chance to, to make the playoffs as a wild card. And with the Redskins losing and the Giants losing, I think they're a definite chance. Uh, it's It's scary. And Winston just needs to be consistent. He's been a bit erratic at times, but... Him and Evans, you know, they still got the job done, even though Casey Haywood shut down Mike Evans last week. Casey Haywood, one free agent signing of the year for me. Um, he's just been phenomenal. Yeah, I, they have been playing terrifically, but I think the um, the return of Doug Martin has put oh huge such such um, an emphasis. Like, there's, they actually have to plan for a running game now. Back when he was hurt, it was just, you know. Just uh, they'll be fine. We can, we'll be able to stop them, kind of thing. But Doug Martin is a legitimate number one running back mm. in in the NFL, and I, I think no one is talking about him whatsoever. But I think he, when you look at the, what's happened to the team, everyone's, you know, everyone's just brimming with confidence. But I think the whole addition, the 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 return of Doug Martin has just worked wonders for the team. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't agree more with you. And he's a chain, he's a chain mover. He just uh, he just makes those plays and, and keeps that offense rolling, and that's what they've been able to do. Uh, we were going to yeah, talk... Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't been putting up extreme stat lines or anything like that, but he's someone that you've actually got to, you know, you have to actually plan for. He's not just, a, you know, a second, third string running back that's stepping in like Chico is Rogers or, yeah. you know, those kind of players. Absolutely. Uh, we were going to talk about the AFC South race, but we're running out of time, so we'll just be really quick. Who wins this... Uh, who wins this division? The Colts schedule versus Houston at Minnesota at Oakland versus Jacksonville. The Texans schedule at Indianapolis versus Jacksonville versus Cincinnati at Tennessee. And the Titans schedule versus Denver at Kansas City at Jacksonville versus Houston. If you had to put your money on someone right now, who who do you think wins that division? Um, I, jeez, oh, Texans. The Texans have it easier. They do have the easiest schedule. I I agree with you. I I think they, they have the easiest... have the easiest schedule. Titans have the most difficult. Yep. And 
I mean, it's Colts. Yeah, it's Colts have the best offense by a mile, but the worst defense. Yep. It, it's it's weird. I think the Titans have. I think the Titans are the best overall team. The Texans have the best schedule, and the Colts have the best quarterback. So it's really tough to to pick it. And I think the Texans are the worst team. I just hope it's just the Colts or the Titans because I do not want to watch Brock Osweiler in the playoffs. I'd... You know what though? Osweiler found Hopkins for his first touchdown since October. Oh, man, and... everything's coming up there. On look out for him, mate. They got I don't him know. I don't know about you, but when Hopkins is on. He's on. He's on, Josh. I think. He's on. I think if the Colts can beat Houston, um, they're a chance. Um, I think they're a real chance. But we'll wait and see. Oh, can... what a bold prediction that is! Well, but, hey, but they're that... leading their division. They're a real chance. No, but it's tough because at Minnesota, at Oakland, are really tough games. So it depends on some other results. But if they can even up that tiebreaker with Houston, it could um, it could swing things. But I think we'll. Uh, Pencil that in after uh, their, their match next week. But let's get into Thursday Night Football. This week's NFL lines are brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. Now, we've mentioned the Oakland Raiders and the Chiefs a little bit throughout this podcast. We didn't want to put them as our main topic because we were going to talk about them uh, in this segment. They're playing each other. Let's start with the lines. Uh, so we've got Oakland Raiders plus three at $2.05 at Kansas City, minus three at $1.80. That'll, that'll move in the lead-up to the game. The total game score is set at 47 points. The Chiefs have won four straight and six of their last seven, including one against the Raiders in Week 6. That game was 26-10 to Kansas City. Spencer Ware ran for a career-high 131 yards and a touchdown, and Alex Smith picked apart Oakland's struggling defense. And uh, But you look at this now. The Raiders haven't lost since that Kansas City game. They've covered five of six, including all six games. I've gone over the total game score, and Khalil Mack's been a one-man wrecking crew on defense. But we talked about Spencer Ware having a, a career high. Uh, LaShawn McCoy just ran all over Oakland. You could see a very similar scenario this week. Yeah, I like Kansas City here. Uh, it, it is it is a difficult game, but I think Kansas City will you know exploit the run game at home. They're they're an insane beast at home, despite their loss to Tampa that we thought you know. Couldn't have gone any other way besides a victory to Kansas City, but yeah, I, I just I think that's the way mm. they they're gonna go. I think the Atlanta win was a big win for them. It was a really big win, and I I think I don't know. I think Oakland's gonna come in there and like I don't know, not be too cocky, but they're gonna. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't feel... know if we can keep saying that anymore because we thought I've, I've been I've been thinking that for a few not, weeks. Not not cocky. I think cocky is the wrong word. But yeah. I think... Okay. They're going to go in there thinking, hey, we're a much better team now. We're going to take it to you. But the Chiefs, the Chiefs are, you know, they're a, I don't know, they're a weathered team. Yeah. They've been there before. They're, they know what to expect in these situations. And they're, they're like, hey, Raiders, come to our house. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what I'm feeling. And I feel like Thursday Night Football always helps the home team as well. Yeah. And I just think. It does. It does. Yeah. Um, and, the Chiefs are coming off two big wins, obviously, against Denver and against Atlanta, against really high-quality opponents after losing to Tampa Bay at home a fortnight uh, three weeks ago after I finally bought into them after being a massive Chiefs skeptic. They let me down in a big spot. Um, but I am, I am taking the Chiefs in this game as well, I think, at home, short week. It does suit them. Uh, it one is, thing one yeah. thing I also want to add is that just Oakland, we know how young they are. They're, you know, a young overall team and their future looks bright because if they can keep these young pieces together all under the salary cap for, you know, quite some time, their future does look bright. So, I mean, yep. plenty of seasons to come where they're going to have, you know, a, a great team. Yep. But like I said, they're still young. So they make, they make these, they have these brain lapses every single game. There's always, you know, a few times during the game where they just have these, they just, I don't know, not take their yeah. eye off the ball. That's too cliche. But it's like they – the Chiefs are the team that you can't do that against. We saw what the Chiefs did this week. They, you know, yeah. the trip plays and things like that. The, the Raiders will allow that to happen if they're not switched on. And they're a young team and they, they do allow that kind of thing to happen. Yeah, it's um like like the Lions. I I couldn't quite buy into the Raiders because they're winning a lot of these close games very luckily at times and – and they they weren't very comprehensive, and then they've they've come off this game where they finally comprehensively beat someone by double digits and just overwhelm a team. But they're also down double digits in this game. It's a very they're a very weird team in in that way, and they're 
but they've got this. I feel like they're one of these teams now that no matter what the scoreline is, you can't count them out of a game and you can't count them out of anything. So if they do go down early, I don't think it's all over. I think this Chiefs defense can be passed on. We saw Matt Ryan and then Trevor Simeon, you know, attack this defense. So I can see Derek Carr and, and his array of weapons uh, putting up some points and putting up a fight. But Kansas, Kansas City, like I said to you before we recorded, they keep winning in these unusually strange ways. But they they do it consistently. So although although they're winning in bizarre ways, they're consistently being bizarre. I don't can't really put a pulse on it. So it's kind of weird where you've got this unusual bizarreness on one side, and then you have this magic wave around Oakland, sort of meeting each other in the middle in some sort of fantasy novel. It sounds like, but um, it's going to be a good game. We've had some some you know some bad Thursday night football games the last couple of weeks. We've been blessed with Thanksgiving, and then last week, and now this week coming up, it's it should be it should be a really good game. Yeah, I, 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 we vary on what type of games we like. I know that we both like, we, we both don't mind a defensive slog if it's yep. just, you know, flat out defensive and it's not scrappy. If it's not a scrappy, stupid game, we can get really into it. I think we'd also, if it was a really, really over the top scrappy game between two good teams, I think we could laugh at it. But yep. I think we do disagree in some in some games like the Chiefs offense you're not the biggest fan where like I kind of I admire what they do it's like a I like the game manager I don't love the game manager I don't like I I hated watching Kyle Orton yep but like Alex Smith Alex Smith is the the best game manager I've ever watched like he's just he knows exactly what to do no (laughs) anyway (laughs) daggers he um just trolling. He he's just he's insane. Yeah. He just he he knows what he has to do. He's no one's expecting him to make these amazing plays. He knows what's around him and what he has to do yeah. and it's just I don't know, I admire that. No, that's fine. And I'm a little bit more tuned where I like a, a quarterback that flings a rock it might result in a turnover or two here and there and and they're you know, they're the downs but the the highs of when they're Flinging the rocket at an elite level like Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan and 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 players like that can do, I uh, I appreciate rather than the the game management. But you know it does come down to to different things. It's just but this game's going to feature all of that really because you've got the Raiders that like to throw the ball and Derek Carr isn't afraid of attacking down the field either. So which is the both they're like the opposite player. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. I I cannot wait for this game. It's it's even when. The Raiders weren't very good, um, and the Chiefs weren't as good as, uh, on terms of the Chiefs scale. Even like the last few years, they've been pretty, pretty good. But now they're operating more efficiently in the in the style that they play. The Raiders have always played them pretty well, and and they've won. I remember Latavius Murray sort of, you know, welcome to the NFL game was against the Chiefs. So we'll wait and see how that pans out. But this front, this front now from the Chiefs. The minute Jake Matthews went down for the Falcons. Uh, Tambahali, oh. D. Ford, and Justin Houston really attack, but Oakland's offensive num, line num, is num, not num, getting num, Oakland's offensive line is not getting any love because they're not Dallas's offensive line, but they're playing unreal. Like Derek Carr's got oh, great, p- great protection. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we you Wrap know, it up. end the show. Yep. Do the Chiefs just have the fastest no-name wide receivers in the league? They're just. <laughs> a, a... I think Albert Wilson's amazing. my accountant. Wilson. Was just, Wilson Wilson was just I, I honestly I thought it was Hill again. I was watching it and just thinking this Hill guy is ridiculously fast. And it looked it looked exactly like a Hill play. And then you find out it's someone else and you just think this team is just full of lightning rods. It's just weird. But yeah. Yeah. It it is bizarre and Mac, you didn't the whole Macklin thing was built up to be, you know, didn't nothing. play. <laughs> no, so should be playing in this uh, one apparently, so I, I, yeah. See, like, I don't know what to make of that. Mm. I don't know if they're going to try to force feed it to him, or they're just going to see what he can do. It's uh, and it is, you know, we didn't even mention that this is crucial for the AFC West. You know, the Raiders are at ten and two, the Chiefs at nine and three. This, this win would put the Chiefs into the number one seed. Uh, would actually make the, the Patriots the number one seed based on tiebreakers, but it puts the Chiefs in a genuine chance to finish as the number one. At, number one seed in the AFC because the Patriots do play Denver and the Ravens, and you could see them maybe dropping one of those games without Rob Gronkowski. So there's a huge amount of, of you know, I don't know what the word is, stakes, I guess, in this game. Yeah. Josh, you want to know a random, really random thing? Okay. 
the average age of these two teams, the average age of Oakland is 25.47. I was just saying how young they are. Yep. The Chiefs are 25.54, so oh, very, not that very, much very close. But the, no. the age of the studs, the, the, the great, great players on their team, I think are, are marginally different with Carr, Cooper, and Mack as opposed yeah. to Smith, Ware, and, and Houston and things like that. So, But yeah. it's interesting. All right, uh, that's probably yep. our most comprehensive Thursday night football preview. We normally just tack it on at the end because we have to, you know. Sorry, and we even missed well, we even missed the Jags Titans game. Good game. <laughs> yeah, we don't get that many. So it makes up we we makes up for just completely missing the Jags Titans a month ago, <laughs> which I think was fair. Um, all right, so that's that's the show. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at jynfl. You can follow Woot on Twitter. At Woot, etc. You can follow the show at Woot and Y. Please keep an eye and an ear out for the uh, announcement on what game for pick the score for a double pass to the Lunar Bowl. Our Super Bowl party held at Lunar Park in Sydney, Australia. It's going to be a doozy. You can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Wooshka, and on Radio Hub. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Whoop. AJ Boy